I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. Today's show is very different from having one guest. Today, we're going to talk about a collaboration uh, between Carol Cohn on Purpose, the Harris Poll, and Allison on Partners on a piece of research called Purpose Under Pressure. Now, I love research, and I started doing research in 1993. Actually, the first piece of purpose research in those days, we called it cause marketing, cause branding. And we did it with a group called the Roper Starch Organization, and we launched the Cone Roper Report. And it was the first piece of research truly diving in to, you know, what are consumers doing when they learn about a company or a brand engaged in a societal issue? Now, in those days, we did, this is pre-digital, we did 2,000 hour-long in-home interviews. So you can imagine both the depth as well as the cost. And for years and years, for a decade, at least became the baseline. Well, I got hooked on research because research was really important to understand who our audience is, what they thought about purpose. And it was with senior executives, employees, consumers, not-for-profits, all sorts of different configurations over the years. I'm very proud to say that Purpose Under Pressure is my 31st piece of research. And I'm just a research junkie. I love really getting under the hood of our stakeholders and to really listening and learning about what they are not only saying, but what they're doing. So join me for this fabulous conversation with my partners, um, Wendy Solomon, a longtime researcher with Harris. She has so much wisdom. It's more than just the data. And Whitney Daly, a colleague in the purpose world that I have admired for so many years. So let's get started. So welcome, Wendy. Thank you. So glad to be here. I have worked with Wendy, oh gosh, for many, many years. I love the Harris Poll. Um, We worked together on a piece of research called The Good Life for Sustainable Brands. And then more recently, right before the pandemic and the lockdown, we worked on the B2B Purpose Paradox. And we're going to talk a little bit about bridging from some of that research to the research we're doing today. Now, I'd also like to interview somebody that I have admired forever. Um, It's Whitney Daly, and she is Executive Vice President of Purpose at Allison and Partners. So welcome, Whitney. Thank you, Carol. I am so thrilled to be here. And I'll tell you why I adore Whitney. And this is a very funny story, is that Whitney was at my previous agency, Cone, but after I left. And I would see her do amazing research. And then she was working with, because Cone had been acquired by Omnicom, she's working with Porto Novelli, and she's putting out survey after survey after survey. And I'm going, that Whitney Daly, she is just so smart, as smart as Wendy Solomon. And she also, you know, gosh, I really wish someday I could work with her. 
So um, I'm thrilled to have Wendy here and um, to have Wendy here. And so our three organizations got together because we were saying, what's the next piece of research after the B2B purpose paradox? How can we, in a post-COVID world, um, what's happening to purpose? And are companies doubling and tripling down? Are they perhaps putting it aside? And so we all got together and said, let's do a piece of research. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. It's called Purpose Under Pressure because purpose is here to stay. And the major finding from this research is that employees want meaning more than ever before, but there's lots of things wrapped around it. So um, we're going to get into that today, and it's going to be a conversation, and it's going to be a, a joy for us to share this with the listeners of Purpose 360. So let's get started. I know our listeners would love to know a little bit of background about both of you. So Wendy, a little bit about your just storied research background and Whitney, the same for you. I've been with the Harris Poll for a really long time. Um, it's, it's really great. So I lead the corporate strategy and reputation practice and have done so for a number of years. And, you know, as you think about the Harris Poll and our objective of just being, um, helping people really understand culture and the business context and all the things. Actually, this research fits so well in that because when we think about what our clients are looking for now um, and what their sort of pain points are, or what they're really focused on or worried about, literally it is always something to do with employees, employer brand or employees themselves, something to do with their relationship to the environment, their relationship to society. So, so this piece of research that we've collaborated on is just sort of at the heart of really what our practice does, which is help companies understand, um, you know, that, 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 that sort of thing that's out there that isn't brand. It's like, what is, what is happening in that ecosystem that really makes a difference? And I know that during COVID, you had, what was it, a, a daily or was it a weekly study? It was weekly, but it became very quickly um, sort of this very trusted data set that like the CDC would turn to. So during COVID, March 2020, March 15th or something, we did our first one. You know, we said, what a privilege it has been to monitor culture for, oh, 50 years, just the highest goal. And so what happens during a moment of strife like the pandemic is like, how can we make, what is our responsibility? Right. And so, so the Harris Poll really um, dove in and provided a great resource. And we still do it. We still think about the fear curve. Um, it is astounding how many people still are afraid to return to normal activity. We are celebrating that only four in 10 are afraid of dying. I mean, like the fear curve has been unbelievable. It is week after week and then a new variant. Oh, and then the Ukraine war and oh, monkeypox. Like the level of angst in our, in our nation. Um, and actually we do a lot of this work globally is really unprecedented. And, and I think it really ties into corporate purpose, right? Cause it ties into expectations of companies. And so, yeah. And actually a lot of that's on our website. If anybody's interested a lot of, I mean, those, those cross tabs were there for everyone to use business leaders, you know, sort of government, um, you know, policymakers. And so we really um, have, we're, we're pleased to be able to provide that. Yeah. And you're very generous um, with, in terms of doing this research, sharing this research. Now, Whitney, tell us a little bit more about your background. So currently I am sitting as an executive vice president on Allison and Partners Purpose Center of Excellence, um, which is really, really exciting role. I've been in this space for more than 15 years. I do what I do 
every day because I truly believe in the power of business to be a positive force for change in the world. I believe business has the scale, the speed, the acumen to solve for some of the world's most pressing challenges. And, and we need that support to, to fight for these, these challenges and these issues that are cropping up fast and furious. So I love partnering with companies to strategize around the impact they can make in the world and then really help them communicate it in a way that's going to resonate. And as Carol mentioned, I am a self-professed data nerd, love creating new research and really using that kind of as Wendy said, to, to build the business case for this, making it open source, providing this data to our community so that we can really build more of these programs at more organizations across the globe. So as Carol mentioned, this feels like a very full circle moment for me to be, be on with Carol. And, you know, we've, we've been producing this type of research for, for many, many years. Um, and, and especially, you know, the report that we're going to dive into today, I think is kind of that next evolution in the world of purpose and, and really critical work that, that we all need to be doubling down on now more than ever. And I know that we have as a team, we, we said, how many pieces of research have we done collectively, really focusing on purpose? And I think we came up with a number north of 100. So you have a lot of uh, wisdom on this on this uh, podcast today. So we're going to start jumping into purpose under pressure. And so... Um, I'd like to say that, you know, we hear a lot about post-COVID and it was the great resignation or the great reset. But I read recently someone said it was more about the great contemplation because we all had significant changes in our routine and it allowed us, most of us working from home, to say what is important to us. And so, um, you know, I found this incredible statistic that over our lifetimes, um, we will spend over 90,000 hours working. That's one third of our entire lives. Um, I think the only thing that we do more is sleep. And those of us that are working a lot harder, it's more like 100,000 or more. And so meaning is really important. And why is meaning important? Well, I was chatting with someone the other day and they said, I really want to know what does my effort, that 90,000 or 100,000 hours, what does it create? What does it mean? And I think the great contemplation and the rise of purpose and employees at the center, which I've been talking about for over two, two and a half decades, it is now, yes, they are engine for success. And so we all want human-centered organizations. And that's what purpose under pressure really um, examined. Now, why do we call it Purpose Under Pressure? And I have to give Whitney the credit because she always comes up with great names. And I see it as you're in the woods and you can go left or you can go right. And so the question is, is it going to be authentic and real and have impact or is it going to be purpose washing? And there's so much of that today. And so that's why it's under pressure. So Wendy and Whitney, can you talk about some of the key findings of the research? What really struck you? You can go back and forth. But Wendy, we're going to start with you because you are the lifelong Harris researcher. What really struck <laughs> you about the top findings of that research? 
Yeah. So actually, as a researcher, I want to just put it in context for just a second. Like who we talk to employees, just be super clear, right? So this is a survey that we're going to be talking about about among a representative sample of um, of employed Americans, right? And these are people who have a manager title or higher. So we're looking at them um, in a way, mix of roles, mix of industries. So this is really the broad brush of like employee culture. And it's kind of on this continuum. You know, we talked about it with the purpose paradox and we're building on it now is the absolute potential of purpose to help a company weather the storm. So I talked about the storm, right? As the Harris Bowl, we've been measuring the storm for far too long in unimaginable ways in terms of the level of angst. What we hear about purpose, what we learned in this in terms of its ability to play a stabilizing role during, during transformative times, during disruptive times, during, you know, sort of name your, name your poison kind of times. And so from my perspective, you know, people are on the brink and we are absolutely defining new norms, global instability, all the things. And so the fact that companies have in their arsenal purpose in a way that can actually help protect them during this time, making not just meaningful work, not just more committed, willing to advocate or recommend as an employer. I mean, all the things that we measure that being a company of purpose has the potential to create a more fertile seedbed for, more success for. But just overall, the level of commitment that these that these employees show across the board. And so it really, and we ask very directly, you know, during times of strife, when there's a recession, when there's, you know, um, any sort of disruption in your industry, which most industries and most of my clients are in the middle of, being a company of purpose that is known for purpose generates a level of commitment from employees. Commitment both in terms of I would be drawn to a company like that, but I would be reluctant to leave a company like that. One of the things that was really striking to me was how sincerely across metrics, across the data set, how sincerely important purpose was as a stabilizing. A stabilizing factor. Now, Whitney, what really stuck out for you in this? Yeah, I think one of the things that that really stuck out as we were kind of unpacking all this data um, was when we looked at different levels within an organization. Um, as Wendy mentioned, you know, this was a sample of employees, manager level and up. And what we were seeing as we started to kind of dig through the data is that senior leaders were fully bought in on purpose. They understand how it contributes to business success. They felt accountable to it. They understand the value of it. But as we looked at employees lower within the organization or at different levels within the organization, they were having a harder time kind of understanding their contribution to it, why it mattered. So that really, for us, represented a big disconnect. I mean, looking at the data points, 92% of C-suite leaders saying they believe a greater emphasis on purpose would actually lead to greater corporate success. That drops to 76% when you look at managers and 68% of C-suite leaders saying, yes, our company's purpose is mature but only 43% of managers agreeing with that statement. So clearly there's some big disconnects here that we need to unpack as practitioners. And how do we get this energy and this enthusiasm at the very senior levels of companies to really be disseminated throughout an entire organization, create accountability, enthusiasm, um, so that purpose can really live and breathe you know, throughout, throughout the company. And and let me build on that because the B2B purpose paradox, which is only with B2B entities, uh, we found 84% of those that responded said, oh, yes, we have a purpose. But only 24% said they had activated 
And so now fast forward a couple more years. And in this data, I think it says like 66% is saying, or 68%, it's getting activated. So I want to, I'm going to jump back and forth, but I would love to say, Whitney and then Wendy, what is one thing that you would say, how the heck are we going to get this embedded and activated better? We've got the C-suite saying, yeah, 92% said we'd be more successful. But then there are these obstacles or barriers or misunderstandings. How do we get around them? How do we break through them? Whitney. One of the things that we need to do as practitioners is just doing a better job helping employees understand how purpose is part of their job. Every single role, build it into your job descriptions, build it into your performance reviews, your KPIs, um, even your your, um, performance and and payroll and bonuses, um, you know, kind of make it super granular as part of each and every job description. The other thing I'll just quickly mention is, you know, I think one of the keys to unlocking purpose pull through in organizations is getting those managers engaged because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are really engaging your more junior talent too. So if and we're seeing that they're among the lowest in terms of buy-in. So how do we motivate and inspire them, make them feel bought in? I think that that can be a critical lever to really making sure that purpose is pulled through. And I want to build on that for a second, because I know that we are constantly when we're working with companies to define their purpose and activate it. We you know, the person on the manufacturing job or on the manufacturing floor, it's very hard to get to them because they don't all have the technological. And so you'd have to do paper based and whatever. But I want to turn it to Wendy, because how this is a key coaching point to any of our listeners. You've got to get the C-suite. You've got to get a cross-functionality, as Whitney talked about, with the managers. But you need to go lower. You need to get that basic individual. Wendy, how do we get that? How do we capture that information? The point about managers, and by managers here, I mean people managers, right? So this this notion of we need to communicate our purpose, it's not this like magic cascading down from the top. I mean, what we're seeing, and this is just across, you know, 30 years of doing employee research, right? So that I'm applying purpose, but like search and replace any old topic almost, right? Is if my direct, I, I do all the time, CEO says it, like the head of my country says it, if my direct manager doesn't say it, like I'm rolling my eyes at it. Do you know what I mean? So I also think there's an intimacy required down the org chart that, that is really important that on my team, my direct manager the leader who I connect with. I don't mean like the crazy leader that I'll never, ever meet. I mean, you know, my boss, the guy who maybe does my review. And so I think there has to be an intimacy here that even at scale, even in a large company, purpose needs to be um, really made local, local for me. So I, I do think that that manager, um, that, that directness of purpose is super important. And we see that across the data. That That seems to be like, that is the gate. If it doesn't go through, lower levels are just not buying. I love that you use the term intimacy. Totally, totally um, support that. What are the actual tactical ways, Wendy, to get the input from someone at the base levels of the company? Measure what matters, right? So I have this mantra, which is, um, and we see purpose on this evolutionary journey. Like we used to just measure, we always measured brand and risk, but now we're just sort of measuring to what extent are we giving credit for purpose? So when I say 
what what is a pragmatic thing companies should do? They should measure what matters. They should measure understanding of purpose. They should look for deficit areas. So this isn't such a big job when you realize that maybe it's these levels in this region. Maybe it's people in these types of manufacturing environments. And then we have tools. I mean, for generations, we've communicated with staff and plant environments, right? And so, so we understand what those tools are, but the idea is how we put them together. So tell me, the, tell me those tools. I want to know absolutely what are those tools so that everybody who's listening is going to check, 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 and I'm going to talk to my team about using those tools. There's morning huddles. I mean, literally tools. Think about all the touch points. There's morning huddles. There's plant newsletters. There's, there's local press. When we think about those hard-to-reach environments that are manufacturing in nature, um, those industrial, those fence-line communities, right? these actually, by the way, employees live in them. Right. They also want their neighbors to know that they work for a good company. We sometimes forget that employees are people. Gee, why do employees care about purpose? You know what? Do any data on American public tells you that they care about purpose. They are seeing an opportunity for, for companies to have agency in new ways. Whitney, you want to build on that? One thing that Wendy um, was touching on that's something that we've been talking a lot about is this concept that employees are also consumers of your brand. So Mm -hmm. using all of your internal comms channels that are super critical to communications and dialogue and intimacy, as Wendy said, and forming relationships, but then also thinking about how are your employees interacting with your external communications? You know, Wendy, you talked about local media coverage and, you know, employees are going to see that when they're sitting at their breakfast table reading the morning paper if their own company is in there and they can feel proud about that. Social channels. We know that if employees are engaged in their purpose, they're more likely to share your social content. So being amplifiers of that. And I think most critically is making sure that those external messages, the statements that you're putting out there, are in alignment with what you're actually doing inside of your companies. And I know we talked about that a little bit in the the research, but internal actions aligning with external communications because your employees will be the first ones to call you out if you are not being authentic there. But if you do it well, you get your employees on board, they understand your, your ethos because they're consuming internal and external communications. Like that is a huge bonus. So now I wanna go a level back up. And so it was shocking, not surprising, but disappointing, perhaps, that sales and marketing and strategy have a big disconnect from embedding purpose in their work, um, understanding it, supporting it versus the C-suite. So any sort of suggestions from both of you, how are we going to get these critical functional leaders on board? Wendy. I actually was shocked at that. So in a lot of my work, I work with marketing in trying to bring about the future we want, right? So trying to get consumers, like their efforts are aimed at trying to have consumers make sustainable choices or choices that benefit communities or whatever the case may be. So the fact that when you look across an organization, and again, we're talking vertically, but now we're thinking horizontally, that marketers are sort of, they're like not using it as a yardstick. I would say, Carol, not just marketing, I would say strategic planning. But if I'm in marketing, there's a total rational reason to use purpose as, as one of my tools. For me, if it, it's about advising and having um, marketers and strategic planners understand that this yardstick is increasingly critical and that your external stakeholders for whom your success is defined 
it's something you're looking for. So it's no longer like, oh, that won't land well. Literally, this this is a major asset that is underutilized is how I see it, particularly in the market. I 100% agree. And, and when we look at marketing in particular in that yardstick, we need to start examining what are our marketing teams being assessed by? What sort of goals are we putting in front of them? And if it's only a sales lift, then, you know, we might need to relook at that. And specifically, you know, looking at awareness goals, are you measuring behavior change, Um, kind of changing the aperture of how we're measuring these teams, building in longer term goals that can really elevate purpose into that narrative, And then I will also say companies that are able to kind of make that direct connection between purpose-driven marketing and sales lift, let's share some of that data. I want to see more of it in the marketplace. I want to see more of those success stories from companies so that we can continue to build this. And it's super important. And as as you both touched on, we all know that this is critical to business success. Like that's not an argument at this point. We need to be sharing more of those success stories with the marketplace. And speaking of success, I think HR, every single high potential future talent seated in front of them in person on Zoom, doesn't matter, is asking about it, right? So it's very, very clear from that HR gets it, understands how valuable it is, understands how critical it is to future success. So sort of that's, you know, one of the opposite sides, the other extreme to to, to the softness we saw among the marketing. Yes, let's give an, a shout out to HR um, because the function is becoming... It's not just about um, paperwork and benefits and such. It is truly about the emotional uh, health and wellness of employees, which certainly has been exacerbated by working from home for two years, trying to balance all the crazy things that, that someone has to do at home and also being separated from your buds at work. And so, uh, Big shout out for HR. And I'm seeing now more and more HR conferences and associations that are beginning to dive into purpose as this incredible, you know, uh, gold thread or red thread through the organization that truly, again, provides the meaning and shows me the value of why am I putting in these 90,000 hours of work? So I would love to just kind of do a little jump and say, let's give some shout outs to some companies that are doing it great. So I'll start with Whitney, which is that, you know, who are some of you, I'll give you one of mine after you, you guys go, but, you know, who's doing this really well? Who's engaging employees? Who's being authentic? They're getting their strategy, their marketing. Who do you like, Whitney? I would have to give kudos to one of our, our clients here at Allison and Partners in the Purpose Center of Excellence, Seventh Generation. They are, they, they get this, they get how to kind of create that purpose pull through in every corner of the organization. And they're doing this because they, they are making sure first and foremost that employees understand the core of their work. And that is to create a more healthy, sustainable, equitable world for generations to come. And that is something that is is manifesting in so many different assets within the organization that you can't work there and not kind of understand that message and really what that core message is. But more so, we talked about goals and KPIs earlier. They are building purpose into all aspects of performance from the roles and the job descriptions to the bonuses and the goals that are associated with it. And the focus is for, you know, really to make everyone within the the company accountable for it and to ensure that they're doing their part 
to create this more equitable, sustainable climate future, which is the, the core of the purpose and the mission of 7th Gen. So an example of how, you know, they're pulling it through to the job descriptions, the roles, the goals, the performance, and the accountability. That's that's great. Wendy, do you have a fave? Patagonia, a very celebrated company um, among Americans. You also find companies like Chick-fil-A really celebrated for their values that they bring, right? So when we think about purpose and we boil it down to values. Um, and so you can think about like different sides of the aisle may see those companies differently, right? But what I'll tell you is that companies that truly activate their purpose and bring it authentically to consumers. So here again, I'm talking about the public. You can do so regardless of sort of what's, you know, whether you lean liberal, lean conservative, right? So some companies actually can help demonstrate to us how purpose can be brought to life in sort of human and civic ways. You know, and I think some of those companies are, you know, they're really interesting to watch. I also think industries and transformation, um, I think about the auto sector, right, as they move to electrification, right? And they all have changed sort of their um, mobility-oriented future to one that actually has a sustainability component in it, in their in their broader purpose, their investments. They want to think about a yardstick for future change, right? So I, I don't really have an answer there, but the but isn't it interesting to think about how some of these companies will transform in a convincing way um, as their product portfolio. Because I think that that is something that kind of the world is watching for in addition to their, their huge employee base. I would like to give a shout out to PwC and they have been on our podcast uh, with um, I call one of the OGs of purpose, uh, Shannon Schuyler, because she's just so brilliant and she's just been in the field for so many years. But the company is double tripling down on their employees. In, in my conversation with Shannon, she said, you know, the biggest thing a company can do is to help employees identify their why. Like what, and, and PwC does this brilliantly. Tata Consultancy Services does this brilliantly. When someone comes in, they really spend time to understand the personal drivers. And then those companies, and they're very large, they've got lots of different job positions, but then they look with such wisdom to put that person in a role that will amplify, like, why am I here? What's my why? Is my why to truly help people grow? And so they would put them in more of an educational portion of both of those companies' products and services. You know, is my why I love innovation? I love curiosity. So how do you identify the personal purpose before you then connect the values of the person to the company? The story you just told is sort of almost shockingly bespoke. Where I see most of my client base, and again, cross-industry, um, multi, usually multinationals, they're actually trying to figure out what the Venn diagram is, right? What that overlap is of what I care about and what my employees care about. So literally what like the shared values in general. So you're at the human level, the individual level. I think a lot of companies, and, and this is, it's, it's not a criticism. A lot of companies are just simply, um, what is the, um, what is my employee base's understanding of what, what do I know about what they care about and what I care about? Really interesting in the work that we did in this purpose under pressure work, we asked that question with large employees where we said, you know, what are your personal values? What do you think your company cares about? And really, we're looking for the gap, right? To, to your point, Carol, we're trying to understand, are there unmet needs here? Are there things that employees super, super care about and companies are just generally categorically not addressing? And interestingly, the thing that was mo the biggest deficit area that employees are telling us is 
really important and companies are not necessarily seen as delivering on writ large is transparency. So it's this idea of exposing yourself to having people understand you back to this intimacy. What do you care about, you know, madam company? What do, what does sort of motivate you and set your strategy? So, so employees very much, very much want to understand that. I love that you said that because I, one of my questions was, what does transparency look like and feel like in a mature, in a mature purpose company? Employees are people. Consumers, people wake up every day fully feeling as if it is my right to understand completely what a company stands for. We never used to think about that right? We need to think about the tomato. We didn't always need to understand the farmer in all of its complexity, right? But now we do. So just let's take that broader trend that the Harris Poll is measuring. The fact that we feel absolutely entitled to know what a company cares about, which we never used to do. Now it's just the same thing, but among employees. So employees wake up every day. So what what transparency looks like is I shouldn't be wondering why we made that acquisition. I shouldn't be wondering why we're innovating in that new product area. I shouldn't be wondering why, um, you know, this part of our strategy is brought to life in this way or why our hiring policies are like this. It should all be right there for me to see based upon the motivating factors underneath it. So transparency for me feels like um, lots of information and lots of consistent information for those of you who may not be as old as some of us on this call, um, in the olden days, companies had these big annual reports. They were glossy and they were printed. And the CEO had this incredible letter. And then it talked about what they were doing. And in the back, it had the financials. Those have gone away. You know, we now have social impact reports or citizenship reports. And that's where the CEO letter is there saying, this is what we stand for. This is what we do, we're do. we doing. This is how we align with the SDGs. And at the back, and I've seen them of 200 pages, it could be 100 pages of reporting, whether it's GRI or, or other indices. But the first 100, to your point, Wendy, is the mature ones are really talking about what we're doing, why we're doing, how we're doing it, what your role is, telling lots of stories. So again, that significant shift. But Whitney, I want you to jump in here. What does transparency look, but more so feel like in a mature purpose company? I'll touch on the reporting aspect first. We're seeing companies provide updates more in real time as it relates to their impact goals. You know, we saw a lot of criticism around last year's COP of, you know, companies making big, bold social or environmental announcements and goals and consumers and other stakeholders pushing back and saying, yeah, but like, how do you achieve, how do you get to this goal? You know, you, you announce it, it's, it's 15 years away. I don't believe you. (laughs) Basically, the skepticism is increasing. So companies that are being responsive to that are really trying to provide updates more in real time, progress against those goals on, you know, a a more real time manner to kind of create and foster that information, that trust. So that's, that's one thing that I think that we're seeing that's different. Also on the transparency front, sharing the journey 
the good, the bad, and the ugly, especially as it relates to goal setting. You know, we didn't meet this goal this year, and here is why. That is an okay conversation to have. What they, what consumers and other stakeholders don't want to hear is, we didn't meet this goal, period. So kind of peeling back the hood a little bit and bringing, bringing your stakeholders in. What does transparency feel like? I think one thing that we've seen, especially over the past two years, early days of the pandemic, is a new type of leadership, which really emphasizes humanity, empathy, humbleness. Organizations are made up of people. And leadership kind of needs to peel back that that veneer and be a person too. And we've seen some, some companies really be good at that during these challenging times that we've had over the past two years, just being a real person and, and having you know, a, a very authentic dialogue with employees that is not the you know, pre-approved script that their corp comms team has sent them. You know, really kind of becoming a people-to-people, human-to-human organization, I think is a huge part of the direction of transparency and requires a new toolkit for executives to really be able to execute on that. I love that. I love that. And I want to talk about the new way that, that new CEOs are either refining their purpose or they want to discover it. And, and one of our clients a number of years ago was the Carry Group, and they're the world's largest uh, food ingredients company. And they're, they're global. They're really huge. And um, their CEO, Edmund Scanlon, he said, I want to truly discover our purpose. You know, they're very much a B2B company. And he then said, and I want my entire leadership team to be part of the process. And so we went, okay, you know, because we usually do interviews. But he said, we want you to interview the entire senior leadership team. That's 200 people. And then we want you to this point about getting to the manufacturing floor. We then want to hold workshops around the globe in every single key country. And that it would be two day workshops and we'll be talking about what is purpose and, and, you know, the values of the people and how do they get engaged so that when it was created, when the purpose was finally written and I, and I'm, and I'd like to give a shout out to my partner, Talia Bosch, because she did most of that world travel, um, from South Africa to Singapore to Costa Rica, Brazil, the U.S., a, a lot in Ireland, because that's where the Kerry group is, is located. And it was amazing because they said, this is the best hour that I've ever had in this company. I mean, no one has asked me these questions and asked my point of view, which and and then ultimately the words for their purpose came from them and ultimately inspire food, nourish life. The two parts of that company, that was their uh, their purpose statement. And, and it was introduced in a very authentic way to the entire leadership meeting, the CEO, a video. We did a fireside chat and in their employee. And then we got into like workshopping. And so, again, transparency, look, feel, engagement. I think it's really important because, again, our research is called purpose under pressure. And so the pressure is authentic or Purpose washing. So I want to pivot a little bit to getting the message out in all ways, internal, external, in a transparent manner when purpose is under pressure and we want to be authentic versus being purpose washing. 
I think it starts actually before you're you're ready to get your message out. It is creating a robust internal strategy to purpose to ESG. What are your programs, your policies? What are your actions as an organization? What are your values? And once you've kind of gone through that exercise and you understand, then I think you're ready to get your message out. And um, if you go through that due diligence in the upfront, you're going to set yourself up way better to avoid a purpose-washing situation. So it's super critical that you're looking at that, you're benchmarking, you're understanding where you're at and where you need to go. It needs to touch every single part of your organization and, and every single communication channel that you have. Uh, you know, your, your social, your website, you know, your product tags, you know, what, what does your actual tag say? What I'll also say, because obviously our report, Purpose Under Pressure, focused on employees, what an amazing communications channel employees are. If you can make sure that they're bought in on your purpose, they are going to be the ones that really bring the authenticity to the table. If they are, you know, in their individual roles and they're like, yeah, like, let me tell you about this part of our sustainability initiatives or would really like to talk to you about our DE&I efforts. They're like, this is what I'm seeing my company do. That is where authenticity lives and, and employees that you can kind of bring on board and, and be able to share that message. And they're excited about that message. That's a super, super valuable asset. So when we look at how employees have changed, the, what the trend data is showing, they're giving their companies a little more credit and understanding it. They're seeing it a little bit more activated. Like that was bigger than any other data point that we trended was their willingness to be that kind of advocate, right? And when we think about purpose as being intimate, when we think about purpose, particularly for multinationals, as being local, um, I think employees really are the channel, the army that has huge potential. And I know, you know, a lot of clients worry about that. A lot of clients in certain industries have actually, um, you know, sort of regulatory challenges on how, how employees communicate. But from my standpoint, writ large, employees uh, as a source, as an amplification source, um, as advocates, as, amb as ambassadors, part of that trend, again, employees are not witnessing it. They are driving it. So I had Alan Murray, who's the CEO of Fortune Media, um, on the podcast about his book, Tomorrow's Capitalist. But here's what I said. I asked him that question. How do you get your message out? And he said, your number one channel should be your employees. Because, and, and I, you know, we are at this cusp of, oh God, can I trust them? Can they, you know what? They're doing it anyway. So, you know, giving them, empowering them with, you know, whether it's visuals, data, um, storytelling, uh, you've got armies. I mean, some of, some of our colleagues that we're interviewing and friends, they've got 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 plus employees. I mean, Tata Consultancy Services has over 600,000 employees. And if you're doing this with authenticity and transparency, imagine that incredible pipeline for information. So, so, so that's really, really cool. Um, I want to ask both of you, we're purpose under pressure. That's the name. What do you see for the next couple years of the, of the, I won't say the long-term, you know, future of purpose, but the next couple years of purpose. Every single data point that we have collected, both proprietary for our clients and then work like this that we love to talk about um, has pointed to, the increasingly important role of business in solving social challenges. Be that because governments are entrusted and the media is entrusted. Suddenly, right, companies are the saviors. Companies are the ones that we look to. Um, 
And so my, my sense is that not only will companies become, have the expectation of becoming more sophisticated, but I think they're, the expectation will be that they will actually have the measurable impact purpose will become more and more woven in throughout organizations as they are held increasingly more accountable. So what Whitney was saying earlier about, you know, like, how are they being metric or, you know, are we actually, what are the KPIs for this role? Should we expand them? You know, we, we, we don't always like to admit that we perform for the test, but I do know, you know, in professional settings, it's not uncommon for people to say, okay, well, what are my metrics? And so let's, companies will increasingly open that aperture into that greater, that greater range of I think one thing that we're going to continue seeing over the next few years are these moments where purpose will be pressure tested. Uh, you know, we know there might be an economic downturn around the corner, activist investors continuing to push executives and boards in different directions. Um, and even our own um, government or representatives, you know, pushing companies in different directions. And I think what companies are going to have to do is, you know, and especially us as practitioners, I will say in particular, is continue to show how purpose is not a bolt-on strategy. It's not a marketing strategy but a foundational business element in a key to business success. And that is really what's going to help to kind of usher our field forward. And I want to build on what Whitney said, because it's also about innovation, that truly, if you build in purpose throughout the company. And so what are we going to do with our folks from strategy and from marketing? Maybe we've got to do some purpose level setting. Um, because purpose, when you get it really crisp and clear, it provides, it's an accelerant. It's a positive accelerant for employees to truly bring their full potential to their jobs and saying, I'm going to tackle this problem. I'm going to change this product. It's going to be more, um, you know, climate, uh, friendly and such. And so this has been an amazing conversation. I would love you to give advice to um, colleagues listening to this, because colleagues listening to this, they believe in purpose, but they're in the activation. They're at the crossroads of, I really need it to be really embedded versus having it being purpose washing. So you have any suggestions for our colleagues listening? You know, how do they accelerate the power of their purpose um, versus uh, the negative sides of purpose? Well, I will say, and this is this is more of maybe a mental health tip than it is a business tip, but um, I was having a conversation with one of our clients, chief sustainability officers, and we were talking about just the gravity of the, the issues and the complexity of the issues, the urgency of the challenges, red flag for humanity. But my key piece of insight and information is stay optimistic. So that would be my final piece of, of insight for all of you is we are in this together, stay optimistic, and let's keep pushing. My guidance is what we know is that companies that behave consistently, um, the best predictor of what you'll do next year is what you did last year. It's a very simple, if you tie into authenticity, if you tie into all these like, oh, well, people believe us you know what? I believe that you did that out of good intent because you did all these other things out of good intent last year. I would say servant leadership 
And I think that you're seeing a different type of leadership. It is no longer command and control. Command and control, it just is, that's the olden days. And it is more about, you know, in inviting the voices of all across your organization to be heard and to, to again, to be transparent with them. And also, I, I love really focus on the employee. I mean, this research was really focusing on the employee, um, giving them agency, listening, sharing. Um, employees are the engine of all of our organizations. And when you do purpose right, and it's not that easy, and you embed it, and you sometimes have to, you win, win some and lose some, but you're going to become a magnet for talent. And we know in our research about, remember, the research said people... There are a lot of people looking to change jobs, whether it's the great contemplation, the great resignation, whatever. But where purpose is truly embedded, they are more likely to stay. So thank you all. It's been a great show. I love talking to uh, purpose practitioners at this caliber. To our listeners, please give us five stars. We're getting close to the five stars. We want to be one of the top business podcasts because there's just so many words of wisdom and gems in here. And at the end of the day, I want to ask all of our listeners, when you listen and when you practice and when you're authentic and transparent and you um, are constantly reporting and measuring, you will have the most powerful answer to the question, what is the power of your purpose? So thank you very much. I'm Carol Cohn and have a great day. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cone on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.